Hello. Hello. Hey. Did I uh did I get the time wrong? No. Oh okay, you just you're, you're early. Six minutes early? Yeah, that's cool. Okay. We're not that early, yeah? No, I was just worried that I was I, I missed the hour or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just signed. I just signed in. I think this might be the extent of the group. Yeah. Everybody else is lost in the labyrinth. Oh, which, yeah. So it's it's, uh, it's Doug and Alex. Yep. Okay, yeah, that's good. No problem. And it, do you, do I detect a hint of coronavirus in your in your voice? <laughs> I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty perceptive. I was trying to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on one second. Let me get my my mask on before we proceed. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I thought it was allergies, and it's turned into kind of a cold. Uh, so uh, I hope it's nothing more than that. Yeah. But um, uh, it's getting a bit crazy here. We just checked. We just went to the supermarket uh, just a little while ago to check for toilet paper, and it's all gone. You know, from, from two different places in our, in our area, and then uh, it's all over the place like that too. It's all, all the toilet paper's gone. So is that something people feel like they need to stock up on? I guess. Yeah. Like. Uh, um, there were reports earlier in, in Hong Kong, like armed gangs heisting toilet paper from shops. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it's just so surreal and ridiculous. And there's crazy black markets now and masks, you know, like, like way, like uh, selling them for way higher than, than you used to be able to get them. Um, so, uh, yeah. No, it's a different story here than the, than the U.S. or Canada. Like I, I talk to people from North America, and they, they they don't treat it as such a big deal. But but here it's just because everybody's been following it for so much longer, you know, that they and 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 seeing it happen, you know. Well, I think I'm, I'm actually reading the last few pages of this book right now. <laughs> At least the last few of the main. That's why I'm being quiet, just to let you know. <laughs> are you are you burning them while you read? <laughs> so she finds him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Happy ending, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Happy book. Everybody's so happy. Uh, let's see. Dennis was talking about lurking, but I don't know. Yep. I'm on the phone. <clears throat> was, was yeah, Dennis might have, but... Probably. I was just trying to see if I don't know that I don't think he's online.
but we can we can launch in, I, I suppose. Um, yeah, should we, Alex? You want us to wait a couple minutes, or give me okay. like two minutes? Okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, when did you finish, Doug? Today. Oh, today. Okay. Yeah. I almost. Oh, that's all right. It's. I, I almost didn't finish. <laughs> I got really angry at it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But I think. I mean, it. Yeah. I know why I got so angry at it. Oh, don't uh, yeah, don't don't say that yet. We'll get that. Uh, we'll get your live response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can say that I really enjoyed uh, the uh, always record you did. Um. Oh, with Wally and yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, I haven't been that inspired to read too much in our quote unquote field, but. Um, I've sent away for some Agrippa books, and so... Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. The one, um, the translation that I read, um, it's just... Uh, just a second, I'll go and get it. Yeah, it's just, right. it's just kind of a, uh, a rough reprint. Um, and uh, it's by Mystical World Reprints, and it's a translation. Uh, I forget when it was, like in the 1800s or something. At I, some point, I, there's a, and, a and, house, and, and it's uh, it's not good. Like it's um, <laughs> the print is the print is really small, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of mistakes in it. Um, there's a publishing so, house, like a mystery, or what do we call it, a, uh, mysticism publishing. Mostly it's a lot of, oh, uh, dreck, you know, it's like x file crap, you know? Right, right. Um, but for their publisher, or their PR person sends me books occasionally, because I've done a couple shows with some of their authors. And so I just went ahead and asked for a, like a review copy so hopefully, it's a good one. If not, then I probably won't read it. <laughs> yeah, there's a. Um, I forget the other one. It's a, uh, I, which I haven't seen, but I saw a few pages in it. I think it's it's a, uh, it's the same translation, but the guy has cleaned up the text and sort of made it more readable. So he, like um, this book, it has like a paragraph for like multiple pages like one paragraph you know so it's it's really hard to uh and it's super small print so i think he uh he he made the print size bigger and kind of split up the paragraphs and corrected all the mistakes and then added a commentary to it so it made it a lot more readable yeah so uh, like there was a moment in time where i thought that that's kind of where sync book press should go you know like if you put jason and Alan's artistry together, like we could republish some of these old. Yeah, yeah. But that's I, I 
thought of that too. That's it, it, maybe a good idea. I don't know if it is or not, but I mean, like, part of it is like, uh, yeah, the beauty of the object and you know, getting people to buy stuff. It's just it's it's good to have at least one source of like a readable edition of all these old occult texts. It could be really nice. Like uh, even if hardly anybody bought it, you know, just to have that available some somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and because like what we were doing was all print on demand, it was. Yeah. Ease the easy well i guess the threshold to entry was not very great i mean it, it takes a lot of work and that's why yeah why probably none of this ever yeah 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 but it's a good book like if you can get through it with whatever edition it's it's really worth reading yeah the well, three three books of occult philosophy yeah a... and then apparently there's a fourth book yeah it's it's kind of spurious or, or people ah. don't really think it was Agrippa that, that wrote it and uh, I have seen it in a bookstore once like a used bookstore here in Japan but I, I didn't get it but uh, it's apparently kind of a more of a commentary on the on the first three books or something alright well we'll see if we'll see if that book comes to me and whether or not I work through it are you ready Alex did you, did you yeah. come out of the house I finished I did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then I'm going to read my little introduction here, and we'll, we'll enter in. With, so it. something interesting with Infinite Jest, I think the, his editor, I think Michael Peach, wanted him to remove the uh, what did he, he called it the the hugger mugger the the hugger mugger piece the it was the the international intrigue of the uh like all the the political ramifications of the cartridge uh the discussions between no just the, the and... idea that there was this yeah so like the all the that just the kind of background political stuff but I really feel like that's what animated that book, where even though you had this ridiculous plot point of everyone's trying to get this cartridge for you know, the ramification of it, the weaponized value of it, even if, if uh, Incandenza created it to wake his son up, say. I mean, still, that was like this animating thing that it just felt like there was there was something there was something fundamental to connect to and try and get to the bottom of and so i just don't know like even though like you're saying zanor that they explore um the potential meanings of the house it just i don't i don't know that it's like you're the house like what you're really exploring is is yourself maybe because that, that's what happens to Johnny. And it was funny because at the beginning of this process, I definitely was having bad dreams when I first started reading it. Yeah, it gets creepy at the beginning. Yeah. But then, then like, I just became so detached from it and thought, I don't know. I, I just got really angry with it. I mean, I got angry at Otta, too. 
but I I always had a respect for its intricacies and and I guess I have respect for this too, but I just you know it's like I don't know. What did what did you say you got angry at at what? At Ada. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it all connects. It's all in there. It's just yeah, Otta's uh, too. Like the, even even the uh, the two twins, they're all the same age. And Otta, I was thinking of that. And then and then with the twins in this book being forty eight plus Holloway, um, yeah. It, it, um, plus Nabokov's like in the in the reviews on the back, Nabokov's um, a rollicking pinchonesque oddity. A Nabokovian linguistic obsession and a Borgesian unreality. <laughs> like so, you got Pynchon, Nabokov, and and Borges right there. Uh, uh, Navidsonian, Navid. But it, yeah, so that's the thing. Like uh, with in Infinite Jest, David Foster Wallace is writing it. We know he's writing it, and so the the literary style is his style, or an Ada. Um, the literary style is Nabokov's style, right? And even with Underworld, um, it's there. But with this book, Daniel Lusky's not in the book. You know, he's not. Uh, he's not writing it. Like he's 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 just. Um, it's a book of books. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 just <laughs> taking down. Like he's maybe the, he's the typist of, of of these narratives, these he's other narratives. It. Yeah, he's compiling it. Oh. Well, that's sort of because in Infinite Jest, the, the question of the narrator, um, you know, the the ghost of Incandenza seems either is writing it or there is. I mean, there's definitely some like ambiguity about the narrator and the narr- narr- narrative voice in Infinite Jest. Yeah, I see, I see what you mean, though that you know ultimately we know it's boss but you know well, that's yeah that's true ultimately we know it is danielevsky that's writing all of this and it sort of feels like he's putting on he's putting on masks um and i'm trying to think of of an anal- analogy or something but um and i'm yeah, sort well oh keep going well I don't even know how to say it, but it, with my with the crypto cubrology stuff I do, like I, it's kind of actually scary how much the parallels of like that this book are to like the process, my process of this crypto case stuff, which I've, me and Sean have always, you know, talked about as a labyrinth or as a maze, and as you're as we're exploring these different like temporal connections and stuff it's like you're going through the maze and you and you you end up where you start or you end up on some completely new avenue that does not make sense entirely but it sort of does you sort of feel the sense that it makes but you can't articulate it and sort of central to this whole like somewhat sci-fi notion is like it's sort of like a peak uh philip k dick ubic where right where Glenn Runciter is is like he's trying to communicate to these people who are dead or in half-life and his communications show up as totally random supposedly random like uh messages basically like a guy goes into a convenience store and 
he picks a random box of cigarettes and he opens it and he finds a message that's directed at him. Um, and so that's sort of the position of Danielewski as the author in this, where he's behind it all, but you can't see him. Um, but he's wearing, he's sort of possessing these different characters as sort of pasteboard masks. Um, that's that's a good quote. For, like, uh, yeah, like Moby Dick. Moby Dick, yeah. Yes, exactly. He, he, he comes in there too. Perfectly, yeah. Um, so, I like I kind I I don't want to be all seem all superior, but I kind of see through it a little bit. Like as much as I as genius as it is, I can see the gears and the and the Mac the mechanics of it playing out as I'm reading it. And it's sort of distracting, I guess. Um, and ultimately this isn't even really related, but I just didn't really connect with it emotionally that much. There are parts that were like, um, affecting and scary. Um, but like none of the, certainly none of the emotional highs of infinite jest or, or anything else, but even uh, even or uh, overstory, or, yeah. yeah, even overstory or underworld too. Um, yeah, but again, it goes back to this like it's sort of meant that way because it's eighty percent of it is like this academic, dry, dryly written academic treaties, treatise. Um, so I can't like fault it too much for something it's not like really trying to do. Um, with, but, there's yeah. there's stuff on Heidegger too, and, and uh, like the the big thing that comes up here in the book, it's it's Heidegger and then also Harold Bloom, um, where they're talking about the uncanny, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or the unheimlich, yeah, the un unhomely, uh, unhomelike. Um, so it, that's that's the emotion. That's the uh, the key emotion that it's trying to provoke in the book is a sense of the uncanny. And I think that's successful. And then he, uh, and then he counters that with, um, this is in Heidegger too, with, with care, you know, this idea that, uh, care or even love, um, is what, what makes the house homely. Um, and so it's kind of like, uh, at the end, it, it does turn into a happy ending because it, it's love that dissolves the house. Um, and then and then in Johnny's story, he goes on this huge quest to find the house in Virginia, doesn't find it, but then he realizes that it, it doesn't matter if it's in Virginia or not. It's, it's, uh, so he goes to the place where it's most meaningful for him, which is at the uh, the Willowstone Institute, and it's already broken down, um, where his mother was a uh, patient. And then he goes to uh, his childhood home. And at that point, he has this kind of... He could never remember the time where he left his mother when he was seven years old. Um, and his mother sent him a letter at one point saying that she tried to strangle him right before they left, right before she was taken away 
Um, but then he has this flash and his memory came back and he realized that his mother didn't try to do that at all. She was trying to wipe the tears from his eyes. And that was, and and that's the end of his narrative. So he comes back. It's a sense of of love, like he centers himself again at the end. Um, sure. So it's kind of so it's kind of this weird um, like a dichotomy be- between the uncanny and uh, and care, um, where the un- uncanny is uh, the sense of the uncanny comes about when you sort of distance yourself from your daily or usual routines and realize how much you repress different things within those routines. And that sense of your own repression just makes you feel completely uneasy, you know, like it, it's like, a, um, and so I, I think that's, that's what the whole book is trying to express in a, in a way, you know, like, a even trying to get through this labyrinth of like uh, different academic perspectives and everything else, you know, like, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of agree with you guys. It doesn't work as literature maybe, or, or maybe it's just a totally different type of literature, you know, but it, it does, for me, it, it does sort of work on a conceptual level. Like there's, there's a shit ton of things to think about with this book, I think. You know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I completely. It's. I mean, it's an it's a work of genius, I would say. And there's nothing else like it. Um, and conceptually, it's. It hits everything, <laughs> you know, that a lot of the things that I think about and. Um, but again, it's like emotionally a little dry. But that's all. But the that's okay. it's it's interesting because the narrative structure is, it's pretty good in that where you're moving through. So most people want more of the house scenes. They want more of the being in the movie itself, so to speak. Right. Yeah. The yeah. And but the Johnny's kind of in the way of that a lot of the time. Yeah, sense. he'll like butt in and be like. God, it's like, oh, shit, I have to read And then he tells you, pages. like, a bullshit story about, right, like, <laughs> whatever it is he was doing with this different lady on a washing machine or whatever. And you're like, this is, this, and then I was just, I started wondering if, you know, like, is it, like, if that's some stand-in for Daniel Lesky as the author, the bullshit artist himself, because he kept saying, this is a story I'm just making up, like, when he was a kung fu warrior at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like he, right from the beginning, it, uh, you find out that he's a, he's a, basically a genius bullshit artist. He can, he can just convince any, anybody by his bullshit stories, right? Yeah. So right at the beginning, you're like, uh, well, what, he, um, can we trust this guy at all? And then we find out like he changed one of the words in the text. It, it was, it was, um, heater in the text and he changes it to water heater just so that it reflects his own situation you know and then he's like yeah i did that like fuck you basically <laughs> you know like uh, so it's um so he tells you right at the beginning that that you can't really believe anything in the text like he, so you don't really know that's that's the whole thing is you don't really know 
who who's writing this you know if uh like the big the big part about his mother you know like is like some people on this forum think that the whole thing is just written by his mother at the insane asylum and maybe johnny truant doesn't exist at all you know um she wrote the entire thing um and there's evidence to back that up like uh so here's a, th a interesting thought like it would have had more impact if if it didn't say danielewski anywhere only in that some people, footnote some people said that like that's his uh um that that was his mistake of doing that you know um and then i i don't i i think there should have been some ambiguity more around so I just wish, you know, there was some doubt as to whether or not the film was real or not. Like, so you could start looking into these footnotes yourself. Like, there would be the impetus to say... what. So, like, that was the thought I had. Like, sometimes... So, like, in, in the movie E.T., you know when Elliot and E.T. are synced up? And uh, E.T. starts dying, and so Elliot's dying too? I've I've never seen E.T. What? <laughs> this is this is the blind spot. <laughs> by kernel of a sync theory, like when you get into sync with something, like so, like if you're syncing with a text, say, like all of a sudden you're, it might be what you were talking about with your your crypto K stuff, where like all of a sudden your life starts conforming to this world that you're inhabiting in this weird way yeah like but you kind of put yourself in sync with it and but so in that movie that what they have to do is they have to separate et and elliot or else elliot's gonna die because he's in sync with et like they're you know they're resonating basically together and so like at the beginning of reading this i definitely was in that space where i was having the same kind of nightmares that Johnny was having. Yeah. So maybe I don't, I, I think that's what he intend. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, um, so maybe he's not successful in that, or maybe it turns into something else. Like, uh, so, so Johnny's always talking about like, uh, um, it, finally he, he says it, doesn't matter if the book is or the movie is real or the book is real or anything because it it will happen to you you know like it you as the reader of this account um the same the same thing will happen you know like the the same dread of the uncanny or whatever will will uh will take over um so like i've, I've been looking at reviews in uh, on, on youtube and none of them go very deep, you know. Like uh, well, some, a couple of them go deep, deeper, anyways. But uh, most of them, it's just like uh, they've they've read this story and uh, they keep saying how terrifying it is, you know. So, but they're not. You can tell that these the people are not really digging into these footnotes and trying to figure out all the theory behind it or anything else. But uh, it affects them on on. On some level, where they uh, uh, are terrified, and they they say it's like it's one of the scariest books around, you know. And so, 
that's kind of a fascinating response, you know, that, that, that even people who don't, who, who, maybe they skip the footnotes or whatever, right? But uh, they still get affected in that way. Yeah, I think Stephen King with his son, there's a, they called it like the Moby Dick of horror. Did you see yeah. this? <laughs> no, no. What's the what's the Moby Dick of horror? And one of the guys says, "Oh, it's the it's the one with all the footnotes." And then he's like, "No, but not that one. It's the other one with all the footnotes." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So at the end, um, or near the end, like it's hard to say where this book ends in, in a way too, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, um, when Nevinson is in the labyrinth and uh, everything ends up collapsing around him. So it's after he goes off the edge and he's, he's floating on this ash black slab, you know, he's floating on the monolith. And, and mm-hmm. he talks about um, the monolith of 2001 uh, before and saying that's a good sort of analogy maybe to the, to the book. Um, I felt that just the, the appearance of the, the the house with its ash black slate black walls plain it just clearly seemed like you know they're in the monolith yeah and the the kids the pictures the kids pictures are just a black square yes. Yes. you know like oh yeah definitely but then but then at the end even the monolith disappears so I guess at this that point he's the he's the star child or something, and then and then he's reading the book and you find out that the book is House of Leaves, and it has the exact same number of pages as this book that we have, you know, seven hundred and twenty six pages. Um, like it goes up in the in the uh, in the back. Seven hundred twenty six. It it um the the book that we have is uh it ends at uh, seven oh nine or seven ten. But then, if you add if you add the uh, the pages in the introduction, and you, you add the first page, and the, there's a there's three pages in between the introduction and the main text, it, it equals up to 726. Well, that's Kubrick's birthday. Oh yeah, oh, wow. 726. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> but, but so the, so when he's Probably he's got the book with him that he's reading, and he can only read it by lighting the two previous pages like a torch yeah in the dark in the dark as he's falling i I was sort of i was confused like what is that a different book called house of leaves is that it's it's where did that come from it's got to be this book it's got to be this book it has the same amount of pages uh um it's gotta be, yeah. So it's a, well, it's a, uh, it's a Don, it's a Don Quixote thing, you know, where the the book appears in the book, right? Uh, and yeah, Don Quixote comes up a lot too in this book. Um, it even has that uh, that Borges story of uh, Pierre Menard, you know, who writes the the identical Don Quixote, oh, which is. Yeah, Johnny makes a joke about it. I think Johnny doesn't understand it, or apparently he right. doesn't understand it, right? Like, uh, but um, it's right in that section of the about the echo, uh, and so you have the sense that the echo always adds new information. Um, it 
it's amazing that part like the the part on the echo is great um and and that reminds me of uh Pynchon, you know like in in uh, crying of lot 49 when they're at uh uh they're at that hotel which is echo what is it the echo heights or something the nymph hotel you know yeah oh echolalia kept coming up is that in this book it had to have been in this book yeah what he that whole chapter is on the echo yeah, yeah it's uh so why is I mean this is maybe a stupid question but why is the word house blue oh we didn't even I don't know if if that's answerable but I really appreciated it because you would (laughs) slow down automatically because everything's black except for you know the one word and so I just noticed that it says in this that um so the word house is blue the minotaur is red and crossed out yeah, and cross that stuff. And then it says that many references to Johnny's mother are purple. So blue and red make purple, which sort of implies that the house plus the minotaur equals the mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, but if you look into the book, it's like there's only. I don't know what edition has mother in purple because it doesn't appear in this in this version the only I, thing I that appears I saw in, purple once but maybe there, there is in 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 the in the 21st chapter which is the one that that was added by johnny and then in, in johnny's uh there's just one line which he's he's talking about his own memory and it's the memory i was talking about before and that is uh stroked out in purple so, so it's this idea, like, like what you're saying, Alex, like the, the minotaur plus the house um, equals mother, but also equals memory, you know, um, which is a... The mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, There's some weird, there's some weird codes. Like I got all this from uh, from the House of Leaves forum. You can find this, but uh, um, the weird code at the end in Pelafina's letters, where it says, um, if I can find it, something about Zampano in code, like just using the first letter of her uh, of her line. Ah. Yeah, this is on page 615. It says, my dear Zampano, who did you lose? So from that, you get the idea that Pelafina knows Zampano. Yeah. Which... Well, so, but Johnny's real father died. He was like a pilot? Yeah. So that's a question about how did you read this? Did you, if it asked you to go into the exhibits in a footnote, did you go... Um, sometimes I, maybe I did sometimes and then I, I, but I basically just left it to the end. So I didn't read all the appendices until the end. Because I know I was reading all those letters. Like I knew a lot more about Johnny early on. And then there were times where it sent me in to learn some things about K2. 
Karen or like I knew about Dalil <coughs> way before you know the book really started opening up about who Dalil was. Which, oh, by the oh, way, yeah, 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 okay, that's yeah, yeah. Which, it, by the way, is based on a real photographer, I think. Yeah, a real did, picture. Did you guys? Did you see that picture? Did you? I didn't go look go, for the picture, but. Oh, it's it's worth it's worth looking at, you know, that, that image. So that's uh, I think the the photographer is Kevin Clark or something maybe. Which or, which the editors mention in the yeah yeah. They say, Clearly, this is based on the real photograph. Like that sort of threw me for a loop, because it's like acknowledging the unreality of the story and acknowledging the our reality, the rea- the real reality. And I just made me kind of confused as to which. I mean, yeah. Is it supposed to be real or not? <laughs> you know, uh, is it yeah, fiction or is it? I mean, obviously it's fiction, but is it meant to be fiction masquerading as nonfiction? Um, but then, how do you acknowledge the fiction fictionality of it if it's trying to be nonfiction? So I don't. I don't know. I was just confused. Yeah. It, um, so yeah, I got that wrong. It's Kevin Kevin Carter. Um, and then the, this 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 photograph is called the Vulture and the Little Girl. I I went and looked at it. Um, I I looked at it before, during. I don't remember. It didn't burn into my memory, but I definitely yeah I looked at it when I was reading. And. And this guy killed himself, like he ended yes. up killing himself. Uh, um, I, you don't really know if it's because of this picture, you know. I, I don't think, like that's, it's a case this book is making, but I'm not sure if that. Um, what it does say, Carter took his own life four months after winning the Pulitzer Prize, so maybe there was a direct connection. Um, you and him have the same birthday. Who who does? <laughs> Kevin Carter. You and Kevin Carter are born on September 13th. Wow, I didn't notice that. That's weird. <laughs> he was born in 1960. Bizarre. <laughs> um, so he's he's Navidson, basically. <laughs> Although Navidson would be older in the story, and than he would be. I just looked at this is this is my own labyrinth here. I just did his lifespan, you know. So he was born September 13, 1960, and then died July 27, 1994. And the number of days is 12,370. So you get the nice 237 right there in the middle <laughs> wow. of his lifespan. <laughs> well, so it, it's interesting. Danielewski was on a book tour about the time we were starting this book. I think he has a brand new book. But it's more like a kid's book or something. It's called The Little Blue Kite. Or So I, the thing about him is he definitely, if I'm not incorrect, I think he has 
an MFA from the Iowa Writers Workshop or someplace of that. There, I mean, so I I read that somewhere that he he has an MFA from someplace prestigious. Sure. I tried to yeah. read the first one I ever tried to read of his was Only Revolutions, and it's basically all poetry. Yale, by the way. Oh, it's Yale. Okay. Yeah, he was he was a uh, like a direct student, or maybe a, even a favorite student of Harold Bloom. Um. But then I remember Silverblatt was going on and on about his his series, The Familiar. Like it's the most interesting thing that he was reading. I remember that. I remember him saying that. Yeah. And then he was like, The Familiar was supposed to be twenty-seven volumes. Yeah. And. I think he's up to stopped like, after five. Well, yeah. they quit. They they pulled the plug because nobody was buying them. You know, no one well, was each buying. each each one he was writing eight hundred and eighty pages. Yeah, and they were supposed <laughs> to be. Let's see. They're supposed to be uh, twenty-seven. So twenty-seven yeah. times eight hundred and eighty is twenty-three thousand seven hundred and sixty. So, uh, <laughs> the number of total pages would have been two, three, seven, sixty. Well, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, another weird thing I found out there's there's a lot of stuff on uh, I don't I don't know a lot of stuff, but I think that this is one of the texts that that he has an anxiety of influence about, like a conscious anxiety of influence is Finnegan's Wake, um, because his mother dies um, May fourth, uh, nineteen eighty nine, which is fifty years after the publication of Finnegan's Wake. Mm. Um, but there's a there's a section in this book he he directly talks about Finnegan's Wake and the and the Thunder Words. It's actually the section where he and um, Kirie are having sex on Mulholland Drive, um, and they they make they 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 create this dark language together. And uh, he talks about the a, a Thunder Word of of a uh, hundred word a hundred letters, and then afterwards of of a thousand letters. Which is it's directly from the wake. Um, so I think in that section he's actually criticizing the wake because he says that the dark language isn't effective. You know, like it. <laughs> so I, it's almost like he he wants to go beyond that. You know, like he has. I think he's really ambitious like that, and maybe that's what makes him makes the whole thing a little bit distanced. You know, because. Uh, um, He's he's trying too hard to go beyond, uh, like to, to make it as avant-garde as possible. You know?